Welcome, everyone. With great respect, Zocalo Public Square acknowledges the Yavatam, the first people of this ancestral and unceded territory of Yaanga that we now know of as Los Angeles. We honor their elders past and present and the Yavatam descendants who are part of the Gabrieleño Tongva and the Fernandeño Tataviam nations. We recognize that the Tongva are still here and, are, and we are committed to lifting up their stories, culture, and community. As Kuuyam, we recognize our responsibility and obligation to care for their land. I'm Moira Shuri, the Executive Director of Sokolo Public Square, a creative unit of Arizona State University. Thank you everyone who is here tonight and for all of you online. Thank you for joining us at the ASU California Center at the historic Herald Examiner Building. At Zocalo, our mission is to connect people to ideas and to one another. Everything we do is free and everyone is welcome. We publish original writing and present conversations like this one. You can find us at zocalopublicsquare.org, on all major podcast platforms, and on YouTube. So please subscribe to our latest events. Since I have your attention, I'd like to offer you a sneak peek to the 2022 Zocalo Book Prize, which we have awarded annually for 12 years, to the author of a nonfiction book that best enhances our understanding of community and the forces that strengthen or undermine human connectedness and social cohesion. This year's shortlisted books include An, an Economist's Analysis of What Racism Costs All of Us, a journalist's story about how the opioid crisis is devastating American communities, a first-person memoir about working in the Bakken oil fields of North Dakota, and a history of what role drunkenness has played in building civilization. You are all invited to our book prize event that will take place in this room in the spring of 2022. Tonight, we are asking, how do we begin again? It's an appropriate question for our first public event in this, our new home, the Herald Examiner building, in this historic building, which is having its own new beginning. Our moderator is Gustavo Ariano, writer, podcast host, and columnist for the Los Angeles Times. He is the author of Taco USA, How Mexican Food Conquered America, Orange County, A Personal History, and Ask a Mexican. Over to you, Gustavo. Ready? Listo? I feel like Mr. Rogers right now, so just, it's a little bit stuffy, but it's okay. Hold on. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, Moira, and thank you, Socalo Public Square. Thank you, ASU. Thank you, the late, great Los Angeles Herald Examiner for still keeping this amazing, beautiful building. My name is Gustavo Ariano, and thank you all for coming out tonight. We're gonna have a great discussion. Hello to all of you watching at home via Zoom. Thank you, technology, yeah. Um, I'm going to introduce my guest. I'm going to pull out my iPhone for the official bios. I could name them by name, but we have good bios for them. So as I call, uh, you know, as I name you guests, please come up and sit going down this way. So 
Fabian Deborah is an artist and the executive director of the Homeboy Art Academy. He has worked at Homeboy for over 10 years and has also worked with Arts for Incarcerated Youth Network, Alliance for California Traditional Arts, and Latino Production Action Network. So round of applause for Fabian. Thank you for joining. Bambi Salcedo is the president and CEO of the Trans Latinao Coalition, a national organization that focuses on addressing the issue of transgender Latinas in the US. She has won numerous awards for her activist work in support of transgender rights and community. Round of applause for Bambi, please. And Dr. Annette Stanton is Distinguished Professor and Chair of the Department of Psychology at UCLA, Go Bruins. She studies the factors that help and hinder people facing health-related challenges, and her research has focused on people confronting cancer and other chronically stressful situations, experiences. So, doctor, come on down, Dr. Stanton. So I, this topic is incredibly profound. I'm gonna to get to it in a little bit, but before we get into it, I want, we wanna start this with a, group, uh, with a group exercise, of, of course. We're talking about beginning again, but before we can begin again, I do think we need to acknowledge these past two years, acknowledge the people that we lost, the people we've left behind in some sorts. So if everyone right now could just close your eyes and just call to mind someone that you lost, someone maybe that is still around here, but you're not really talking to as much anymore for you know the actions of the past two years or whatnot, to somebody. So if, like if and think of one person, call them out if the move you know the spirit fills you. I'm gonna call out one person that uh, I did not know personally, but I did a column about Father Francisco Valdovinos, who was the pastor our Our Lady of Mecca out in the Coachella Valley in the city of Mecca. And Father Francisco Valdovino spent all of 2020 fighting, you know, protecting his community against COVID, urging everyone to mask up, to distance, and to get the vaccine when it finally came about. Sadly, he passed away of COVID before the vaccine. He passed away about a year ago this month. So if we could just do a moment of silence, keep someone in mind. Thank you so much. Thank you for everyone that we all thought of. So thank you. All right, let's get to the discussion at hand. <laughs> How we begin again. It's an interesting title for me. It's an interesting concept. I didn't think of it, by the way, Sokalo did. I was surprised it wasn't, how do we start over? I also think it's interesting, begin again, as opposed to how do we begin? So for each of you, um, what, is this, what does that idea mean to you, begin again? So if we could start with Fabian and just go around, like begin again, what does that mean to you? I guess it all depends on the context that we're applying it to, right? So how do we begin again? If we're corresponding to a need, uh, a dire need that has been plaguing my community of Boyle Heights for quite some time, then I think uh, we have never stopped. 
uh, all we did now is to, you know, all we did is to learn to adapt and understanding the vitality of this work and working with formerly gang involved and incarcerated young men and women. I think the vitality of this work is, 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 is it's a dire need. So we've been consistent and we've been putting in every effort uh, needed in order to make the world a safer place. Corresponding uh, during this pandemic, we, it just amplified, you know, uh, the, the, that need. And so how do we begin again? I think a lot of the answers have been, not answers, but a lot of the medicine has been handed to us. And I think uh, we take it back to basics, if you will call them basics. And for me, basics means just leaning on the cultural knowledge and the cultural aesthetics and ancestry uh, where we find the medicine in order to continue to move towards the healing element that is greatly needed in my community. Yeah, no, it's interesting because you're mentioning it's within ourselves, in your community, Boa Heights, like the answers are already there. So not a matter of beginning again, it's more like resetting yourself and seeing this is what's in front of you. This is what's always been around you. Absolutely. And I think uh, this is uh, the, the investment that's necessary, right? The continuum and in investing and, and these particular populations. And I speak on behalf of, of gang involved, formerly incarcerated men and women. And that's what my responsibility has been as someone who comes from that lifestyle and yet has found this way via the arts and also through the resources uh, such as Homeboy Industries and many around the area. And so I think I, it's just, uh, for me, it's a responsibility and investment should continue to happen. And I think we are living in these moments that we should not lose sight of. Uh, change has happened, change is happening, and we all can invest and, and contribute to that change. Uh, and I fall back into the comfort zone hmm. that has uh, created exclusion in the first place. Totally. Bambi, what does begin again mean to you? Um, bueno, primero que nada, yo quiero dar gracias a mi poder superior por darme la oportunidad de vivir un día más. Uh, y también quiero honrar la tierra en la que estamos hoy en día y pedir permiso a la gente de esta tierra que me permita decir unas palabras en su tierra. Um, I know that it was probably hard for some of you to understand what I just said, but I uh, usually, before I, I open my mouth, uh, when I'm speaking in public, I like to acknowledge my higher power for giving me the opportunity to breathe one more day. And I also honor the land where we're standing on, and I ask permission to the people of this land to allow me to say a few words. Um, I also want to honor your beautiful presence here. I know that um, this is the first event that Socal is putting together, and so thank you so much for your time and uh, for sharing space and community with us. Um, what does it mean to begin again? Um, you know, uh, as a trans woman and, you know, for many of us, um, members of the same community, um, I think every day is a rebirth, right? It's como un renacer uh, for all of us, um, simply because of the violence that we experience, right? Um, both the institutional and historical violence that we have experienced that translates into uh, interpersonal violence, right? Um, I, I think it's important to recognize that here in the United States, um, this year, 2021, is a record number of murders in the trans community. Um, I don't know how many of you know, but um, there's like more than 45 of us who have been killed this year. And so, Every day that we wake up, particularly trans women of color, um, 
it's like a new beginning for us, right? Um, they say that we work with, we walk with targets on our back. And so for me personally, as someone who, como mujer, trans, Latina, emigrante, who is always um, devalued for who I am, and, uh, and it's the same for many of my sisters. Um, and so I think, you know, every single day of our lives is a, is a nuevo comienzo, it's a, it's a rebirth for, for us. Yeah, that's it's incredible in that sense, but also harrowing, I would imagine. In your, you know, the people that you work with, they're seeing every day, as you said, they're going out into the world. Some people are, you know, are affirming themselves for the first time publicly, or, and yet there must be a joy with that, but also a fear in beginning again and having to begin again, seemingly, almost every day, almost every week, almost all the time. I mean, I, I would even go further and say that um, the world hates us because we're truthful to ourselves, right? Uh, we face the world um, simply as who we are, right? Like, um, the world has continues to tell us that we are not supposed to exist, that who we are is wrong, and, um, you know, every single day, um, you know, it, it's an, a revolutionary act, right? When we walk out of the doors, if we have a home, right? Because there's many of us who uh, experience many challenges uh, with homelessness um, and other types of discrimination, right? Um, I think it's important to recognize that, uh, you know, we are one of the populations that, are, uh, that, are, that is the most marginalized, that is the most uh, persecuted uh, simply because of who we are. Uh, even in this, land, right? Particularly for those who are immigrants who come to this country uh, seeking the American dream only to come here to find the American nightmare. Yeah. Dr. Stanton, what does begin again mean to you? Well, I, I think begin again means partly what, how you started us off. Um, because we don't begin again until we acknowledge where we are and the losses we might have been through in this, these past 18 months uh, or more. And so that kind of acknowledgement is something that's important when you begin again. Um, I, think, I think I was probably asked here because I study um, people with cancer. And, um, and they, many people with cancer go through a, a sort of phase when they finish treatment you know, they've been putting all their energy into going through their chemotherapy, into going through the surgery, into going through really hard stuff. And then when they finish that treatment, there's this sense of, wow, I should be celebrating. Everything should be great. You know, I'm well again. And some people, you know, expect you. Sometimes your family expects you to be well again. But it's not as if you haven't gone through something really important. And, and sometimes it takes some reflection, uh, reflection on that to think about, okay, now where, now where am I going to go after being, being in this cancer experience? And so it's not done, you know, when you finish treatment, just like it's not going to be done when we finish a pandemic or a racial reckoning or trauma. You know, it's not done. Um, although we can move forward in part because of we can acknowledge where we've been, just like you did at the beginning. Yeah, as a psychologist, what do you think is the difference between beginning again 
and starting over. Like, as you know, experiencing with people, how, what's a different mindset that people get into with those terms? Or are they exactly the same? Well, I have to tell you that when I, when I hear begin again, I'd like that term better. Mm -hmm. And I think that words matter. Um, and so beginning again is, is something that we do throughout our lives. So we can continue to do that. Starting over somehow seems like we've never done anything before, so we have to start completely over. That's not true. We bring the strengths that we've had. We bring the traumas that we've had. And so begin again somehow gives you more continuity. Um, and so I, I sort of connect with the begin again term more. Starting over, I mean, I'm, I'm also thinking this out loud as well. Starting over to me thinks, kind of signifies a failure of sorts. Like when you start your car again, you start it over. It's like, okay, we're gonna start again. Or you game over, you start it again. Beginning begin again to me is a little bit more, I don't know, liberating. Fabian Bambi, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think beginning again, uh, to me, it sounds like an invitation to uh, revisit the lessons learned. Uh, rather than start over, it's undoing what we have learned. I think that's the way I pick it up. So beginning again, it just means going back to uh, one's personal lived experience and possibly revisiting those lessons learned through those experiences that can be beneficial for the evolution or, 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 or movement as we move forward, rather than undoing what we have. Bambi? Learned. Um, yeah, I, 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 the way I think of this question beginning again, right, it's, um, I, I take it as an opportunity, right, an opportunity to, to recognize and organize, right? Like, or reorganize whether it's a thought process or whether it's an action that we have to do. Um, I, I, I think, you know, for me, it's also um, a place for, um, you know, to understand the possibilities, right? That they are out there and um, the, you know, the, the amazing work or the amazing opportunities that are out there for us to grab, right? I think um, despite the challenges, we have to understand that there is always this, you know, beginning again process, right? That we can go through, acknowledge it, but also, you know, move forward. Yeah, on a personal level, you know, we always begin again. Humanity always has. When we have the chance, we'll try it. But these past two years, have created this extraordinary opportunity for all of us to be able to begin again in some sort. So Fabian, all of, you know, to all panelists, how have you used these past two years to set yourself up in a position for whatever's next in your personal, personal and or professional lives? So if we could start with Dr. Santon, actually. I sometimes I feel as if I'm just sort of hanging on to get through these past, you know, these past couple of years, you know, just supporting people, you know, in in my organization and just sort of making it through to the next day. Um, but but that said, I, I also see it as an opportunity in terms of, you know, we thought that. Um, like at UCLA, we thought that you know people had to be in their offices to work, and the staff had to be in their offices, had to be in their offices, or had to be where, wherever. And we know that that's not true now. And so, and so we're face, we're 
entering a, a different world where we don't have to be always in one place doing one thing. Uh, people who had to commute you know, an hour and a half to get to UCLA for their jobs, well, maybe they can do their jobs at home at least some, some time, and that, that works. So thinking about, I guess for me, it's been thinking about, well, how can we change systems that fit people better so that we can begin again in a way that is, is yeah, some, some, some things are still in place, but some things will, will change and change intentionally. And sometimes it's as simple as literally working from home. Like instead, like throughout, as long as there's been office culture, the idea is you cannot replicate office culture. You cannot re replicate the camaraderie or even work. If you're away, you have to be right there in your cubicles with a phone or whatnot. And we've kind of figured out you kind of don't need to do that. It, it's cool to be in person, but you don't have to. Yeah, I think that that I think that that is true. Although I do have to say that personal connection, um, that's that is really important too. Um, and so figuring out how we can connect um, at the same time as having a little bit more flexibility. Bambi, how have you used these past two years to set yourself up to? You know. I mean, it's, inter it's interesting that I, I hear, um, you know, some, some um, the way people think, right? Um, I, I think that it's important that we acknowledge and understand, right, that not everybody has the same privilege, right? Um, to be able to work from home, for instance, right? Um, mm -hmm. To um, actually, you know, our people, right, like, are the ones who you know have to work, right? Like have to put themselves at risk uh, in order for those who have the ability to work from home or have an office that they can eat, you know, that like all of those things, right? Like, um, and so it, it's it's interesting that you know we 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 don't think of people first, right? And we as an organization. Uh, at the beginning of this pandemic, we uh, made the decision for us not to close our center, mm. right? Um, because um, we know that I am a trans woman and I am the leader of this organization. And I have gone through the same things that many members of my community have uh, continued to go through today, even though I started my transition 30 years ago, right? Um, and so, you know, we know that it, when the world closed out, right, um, we give food every day to our people, right? And so we knew that even if it was food that we needed to provide our people, we needed to do that, right? Um, and so um, it was hard for us to adapt, uh, you know, as in a small organization. It was hard, you know, to um, see my friends, um, you know, going to hospital and knowing that they were the last ones to be treated because simply because they're trans, right? And so what we needed to do and we wanted to do was at least to provide a bit of hope, right? Like for are people to know that they didn't have to go through this by themselves, right? Like that there was us, right? Um, because even oftentimes 
for trans people, um, you know, even our families are not even there, right? Like most of us are rejected by our families. And so, uh, you know, for us, uh, it was important for, for our community to know that we were there, even if it was just to provide food, right? Because we had to also not let people into our center. We had to close. But even if it was sandwiches that we needed to make, we wanted to, to have that available for our people, right? Um, and then throughout the pandemic, right, um, even when, um, you know, when most people had the privilege to get their stimulus check, right, most trans people didn't have the ability to do that, right? Because why? Because most trans people are not working because we continue to face discrimination and employment, right? And so we were not able to even benefit from that. You know, even here in the state of California, when the governor allocated $70 million to support undocumented people, right? Trans people who were undocumented were not even able to um, benefit from that, right? And so, so we as an organization and as a community needed to also figure out ways to, uh, to support our community, right? Um, with basic things, right? And so uh, we were very lucky that we're um, some foundations and some, even some individuals who contributed for us to be able to support our community directly with, you know, rental assistance and gift cards for them to provide food and things like that. Um, yeah. Fabian? Um, well, for us, uh, uh, we, we, we adapted uh, to the best of our ability, meaning that, you know, of course, uh, we had to come up with creative ways to adapt in ways that, uh, for example, when we talk about reentry, we know we have a lot of men coming out of, 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 of prison or jail, and the first thing they go see is Homeboy Industries. Well, guess what? Homeboy Industries is now closed due to a pandemic. So we're like, damn, now we have to really come around and strategize how we're going to really service that individual because he will reoffend or, or go back to the lifestyle. Uh, and so what we would do is, uh, one, we, we did, uh, we have over uh, 300 um, uh, homeboys and homegirls who currently work in the organization. So what we had to do is uh, utilize our case management efforts and then go visit them at home, uh, drop off food at home. Uh, sometimes make uh, a special appointments, make that human connection that you're talking about. Uh, because we did have a lot of death uh, in between the pandemic uh, due to gang violence, uh, overdoses, um, and, and, and suicide. Yeah. You know, and it was a trip because it, it was very difficult for us. But that's the way we were able to adapt. We were blessed too, and fortunate enough that some people did touch their hearts and, 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 and donated in ways that they wanted to be part of that solution. So that helped us on many levels as well. Given the unique pains, Bambi and uh, Fabian, that your organizations, the, uh, the people that are in your organizations felt or dealt with, how did you rally to give them hope through this, especially during the darkest times when you're not able to get stimulus checks, where there is so much death and it's not stopping? What, was the, what were either the actions or the words that each of you gave to the people that you dealt with to give them hope and say like, hey, we can get to that next better place eventually, but we will get there. Um, well, I mean, you know, what we had to do also do was adapt to the new environment, right? Um, but I think, um, you know, through the work that we, that we did, right? Because we also were like doing amazing work, right? Like even during a global pandemic, um, our organization, you know, we built a statewide coalition of trans organizations uh, to ensure the passage of 
Assembly Bill 2218, which is the Transgender Wellness and Equity Fund, right? Um, and we were asking, um, well, we were doing first budget advocacy, but then, you know, one of those pieces was turned into Assembly Bill 2218, um, and we were asking for $15 million to support translated organizations across the state, but because of the pandemic, that money was removed, right? Nonetheless, we made history in the middle of a global pandemic, and, and um, we had so much um, opposition, right? Like, I mean, we had religious groups, we had all kinds of conservative individuals, and even um, there was the, this um, like group of people who did transition, who were coming really hard on us, um, but nonetheless, we made history, we passed, you know, we learned that for trans, that at the state of California, it was the first time that a bill was introduced by trans people. Um, and then uh, this year, the governor allocated another $15 million that we initially uh, asked for, but $13 million nonetheless was a win, right? Um, and this is specifically to support the work the trans-led uh, organizations and groups are doing across the state. So through our work, uh, I think we obviously give hope to people and the fact that we remained open, right? Um, that was one of the things that um, gave hope to people and, and, and really, you know, the first month was like, even our staff, most of our staff, you know, work from home, um, but then after as we got accustomed to it, then you know people wanted to come back to the office, and that's how we started also providing case management services to through the different programs that we have. So, um, I, I think you know for us, you know when we see ourselves reflected, I think we see the possibilities, right? Like when we see that yes, you can do it, we are doing it, right? Like. Um, that is a bit of hope that we can at least provide. Even in a year where there's been so much violence and so against trans folks and so much just, you know, the COVID pandemic and all the economic fallout from that as well. Yeah, that is incredible. Fabian, what about with uh, the people you're working with? Well, I, I think to be honest with you, I think because of the uh, years of traumatic uh, experiences that we come from, you know, I think resiliency is it's at hand. So I think for me personally is to remind them of that resiliency and those challenges and obstacles that they have already overcome. And that's let alone the pandemic. We've been dealing with this prior to the pandemic because of all the uh, uh, all the things that we are encountered with. But did the pandemic make it even harder? Well, yeah, it did amplify it. Yeah. It did amplify, but because there is already some, uh, some power in our resiliency that we have discovered previously to the pandemic, then it was it only served as a reminder to lean on that and to overcome this new challenge and be uh, creative and adaptive in ways to, like, come on, we're walking in this together, bro. Like, don't trip, and, and constantly reminding them of their truth and so on and so forth. And then, um, creatively, what is it that you need? And then and, and come up with it in that moment. You know what I mean? Uh, individually, we had to come up with various creative ways for individuals to stick close to us. No, in incredible. Dr. Stanton, resiliency, cancer patients. My mother, she passed away from cancer, but when she was fighting that fight, you wanna talk about courage and all that, it's there. So talking to those folks, they're always gonna be fighting. They're always gonna be pushing. What were you telling them to the people you're dealing with during these past two years. It's already hard enough to begin with. Now you have this pandemic that's keeping a lot of them away from their families, keeping a lot of that personal touch away. 
what would you tell them in terms of facing what's in front of them and saying like you can you can push through this you, you, or you can at least try to fight to try to get to a better place I think what what we've heard so far in part it's it's not it's it's not oh look on the bright side things are going to be fine you know it's it's not uh, platitude it it really is more this is really hard and and you have the capacity you've gone through you've gone through hard things before uh, and what helped you then and what's going to help you now um, so it's not it's not so much telling people okay oh things are just going to be fine it's really walking with them or you know figuring out from them what have what has got them through tough things before um, yeah Incredible. You were going to say something, Fabian? No, no. Oh, that's actually right. Cool. Uh, we're going to take questions about 10 minutes. So those of you who are watching at home, start asking them right there. If any of you in the audience have any questions, start thinking of them. One question I want to ask all of you, in your respective uh, communities that you deal with, what can they teach the rest of us about how to begin again? So we'll start with the doctor. Oh, I remember, I remember one night I was doing a I was doing a, a group for people with with cancer, um, and uh, and you know, and I remember driving home uh, during that time and say, and saying to myself because I didn't have cancer, you don't have to get cancer to change your life, and so and so I think one of the things that that people with cancer have have taught me and have taught so many others is that you know. Cancer is, is a, a wake-up call to what's important in my life, and if I'm not doing if I'm not doing what's most meaningful to me, if I'm not doing what brings me joy, if I'm not doing if I need to change something in my life, I better do it now, because cancer hits you in the face with well, how long am I going to be here? And so that sense of that sense of what brings meaning now, and the sense of the 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 what's what's my major priorities now that that i think is what part of what cancer teaches people you know if i don't live my life now the way i want it i what you know i i i i'm going to be gone someday so i better do it now and also not just gone someday but sometimes you don't know when that day is going to be it could be super quick it could be in a decade so i think it just most of these says solidifies the idea of like it's time to do it it's now or never to you know as that old song went yeah yeah sorry yeah. uh bambi what, what can the what can we learn from the trans community about how to begin again um i mean i think um what people can learn about who we are is really seeing our humanity right um seeing and understanding that we walk this earth as everyone else, right? Um, that um, we shouldn't be devalued because of who we are, right? Um, but, you know, I, I, I always get inspiration in the people that I work with, you know, just, um, you know, when people get to our organization, for instance, right? Like, um, I learn um, of one of our compañeras who, um, she was saying, like, I just got out, uh, today is my 90th day that I got out from prison after doing 24 years, right? And, um, 
she's been volunteering with us and she's going to be one of our staff, right? And so we can learn from trans people, right? Like that we are um, just who we are, but that we also are able to accomplish amazing things, right? If we are provided the opportunity, right? Um, I can certainly say that about myself, right? Um, you know, when when someone saw in me something that I was not able to see in myself, right? When someone, um, you know, when my sister Valerie Spencer told me, you know, you're gonna do great things, right? I didn't even know that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so she believed in me, you know, when I was hired uh, by my sister Maria Roman, who was the program manager of, uh, of this organization, right? And, and believed in me and gave me the opportunity to work at this organization, right? Uh, and from there I evolved, right? And I think, you know, if we have the ability to provide opportunities to our community, do. I think it's important that we start learning the importance of investing in trans lives, right? Um, so we need to be invested on, we need to know as a community that the world knows and believes that we are amazing people because we are. It's just that all of us have been brainwashed to think that Trans people should not exist because of who we are, right? But we are amazing people and we can do great things. We just need that opportunity. We need that investment in our lives, right? So that we can continue to evolve, right? Not begin again because we are walking this earth, right? But really, um, we want to be able to walk this earth and this our path with grace. and any and every of you can contribute to that. Fabian, what can we learn from former gang members and formerly incarcerated, how to begin again? I mean, you know, I think uh, there's some common themes and threads. I think uh, if we begin to move, help us remove all those misconceptions and those stereotypes that have been said of us, uh, the criminals, uh, they don't deserve second chances, get to know us, get to check, get to know us, our stories, and maybe there you might find an answer to where the things that we are can partake in stem from, you know, and I think I am a true testament of what given an opportunity and, 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 and investment can look like. Today I'm a firm leader in my community and I have impact many lives. Now imagine if you invest on many more, how we can all make this world a safer place. So just get to know our story, give us a minute or two, and I'm very sure that we will shift the mindset that has been created by the systemic infrastructure that we live in. Yeah. Final question before we get to the audience. How are each of you going to begin again in 2022? Whoever wants to take it first. <laughs> I mean, I think for me personally, I would just, I, I, you know, as, an, as a firm advocate uh, of, of the populations that I serve and, and people from my community, I think I'm just going to, just like the pandemic amplified our situation, then I'm going to amplify it and, and uh, take on this opportunity to continue to invite folks to help us to create that equity and that access and those uh, resources that are needed to help us uh, reach those uh, that, that goal or be part of that bigger picture, whatever that looks like.
like. So I'm going to just bank on the on, on these opportunities and continue to advocate even stronger. For, yeah, more for, than ever. Yeah. More than ever. Mm -hmm. Bambi. Um, you want to go next? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so the way I'm going to end this year and the way I'm going to begin uh, next year is something that I've been doing for um, about 15 years now. Um, uh, you know, I I seclude myself. Um, I take the last two weeks of the year off, uh, and I write, and I use that as an opportunity for me to to reflect and to heal and to write and um, and to just be together with uh, my creator. Um, and you know, I I clean my house thoroughly. I open, you know, I I clean my closet. I open. I, I believe in. Uh, new blessings. Uh, so, but I need to need I need to open space for new blessings. So, Marie Kondo, I, I, everything. Right? I believe that. <laughs> um, and and you know I don't go out on New Year's Eve. I um, I stay home and I sort of like pamper myself. Um, I go and get flowers and um, I I go to the water and then I. I take a bath with flowers and all of the good stuff, and then I welcome the new year um, for fresh like that. Um, and so that, I'm planning to do that this year also. Um, and so um, I also do my vision board. So um, I always like to put things down, uh, what I'm going to. Um, you Have know. you started it yet? No, I, I do it then. I, okay. I don't want, like, I completely seclude myself and I disconnect. Um, and so it's just, you know, whatever comes, it's, it's what, it's there. Um, and I leave that on my table and I look at it every single day. Uh, so that's always like a reflection for me and, um, and something to always uh, look towards. Uh, so I'm going to do the same. Um, but I think um, one of the things that um, we're going to focus on right now, and I want to invite you to participate and contribute, and I'll also, you know, share the um, share the thought. Um, we are um, we're going to start um, searching for our our own space. So we're going to have our own permanent space. Uh, and we're going to start a, um, a capital campaign next year. So um, we want to invite you to participate and, and be part of that. Um, and so that's a big challenge, but I'm up for the challenge, you know, so. Um, that's great. Yeah. Finally, Dr. Stanton, how are you going to begin again, 2022? Well, I'm with you, except for the cleaning the house part. <laughs> <laughs> All of that sounds really good to me. I like the idea of reflection. I like the idea of um, some gratitude for making it through um, to where we are, um, and uh, and some acknowledgement of where we be, of where where we have been. Uh, and all of that gives us energy for whatever work um, we're bringing um, to the world. Thank you so much. Now we're going to get to questions from the audience and. We'll start with what's going on in Los Angeles. Next year's midterm elections are an opportunity for all of us to begin again. In Los Angeles alone, we'll be electing a new mayor and a lot of new city council members. What advice would 
all of you would, would ustedes give to our aspiring elected leaders and how to lead us civically towards a new beginning? Hmm. Should, should I start? <laughs> Go for it, Bambi. Um, okay, so what I'm going to say to for those inspiring elected officials of coming to an office, I am going to say bluntly, stop the bullshit. Um, you can applaud. Yeah, you can clap. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, you know, many uh, politicians, you know, they start like with good intentions, but then when they get into office, they forget about the people and they forget that it's the people who put them into office. And they also forget that there's public servants. And so they need to do that, right? Um, you know, it, it's just incredible that, you know, here in Los Angeles County, for instance, there is, um, the Los Angeles County has like $38 billion budget, right? And they got almost $2 billion from the American Rescue Plan. Uh, and it's just incredible that the immigrant community here in Los Angeles, which makes um, more than 36% are, um, you know, are not getting their fresh air, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm so lucky that I get to be part of a campaign that is called Immigrants RLA. And we are going to demand um, uh, the Board of Supervisors and our elected officials, right, to, to invest also in immigrant communities uh, who are the makeup of, uh, they are essential workers, right? And so, um, so we wanna make sure that that happens, but um, I want to make sure that also people who are in office that also understand their role, which is really to, to support people, the, the ones who are the most marginalized and not necessarily their friends who continue to get the contracts, who continue to get funded, um, but rather provide services and support to the people who really need it the most. And obviously that includes trans people and I'm certainly going to continue to advocate for that. Um, well, I would say especially trans people given that you've, your community has been so marginalized. As traditionally politicians, yeah, you give money to the people who have supported you and elected you and given you the money. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny, like, you know, a lot of times people reach out to me like they want my endorsement and I'm like, okay, but what are you going to, what are you giving to people, right? Like, um, and, and I'm very, you know, like, I'm not gonna support someone who is just, you know, saying something. Like, I need actions rather than words. Yeah. Another question. Uh, as institutions and places of work are begin being pushed to center anti-racist frameworks, what can we do to push for, quote, care frameworks into our day-to-day -day work? And what does this concept of care mean to you in beginning again? Uh, Bambi and Dr. Stanton talked about self-care. Fabian, what, what does care mean to you? Or what's the significance of care in beginning again? Well, I mean, I think that's very important. You can only give what you get. So I think uh, self-care is greatly necessary uh, before you can even uh, you know, go out and serve somebody in a sense or meet uh, or, or give of self. Um, but that is important. I think for me, care, that, that self-care, we're talking about self-care, I think uh, also got to keep in mind, you know, as a person who has a family himself, 
you know, I can't stop watering my garden and, and giving too much of myself because the last thing I need is to recreate that cycle that we yeah. lived in. And so that's very important, you know, because I, I, as a leader, you know, I get called and pulled in many directions, but I got to take care of my backyard first before, uh, so that that doesn't contribute to what I'm fighting up against, you know? So that's very, very important. Self-care to me has to happen. The importance of care, Dr. Stanton. I don't know that I can build on that much except to say, uh, you know, to, to agree, but also to say care. Uh, and I'd love what you said in terms of public people, politicians are supposed to be public servants. Well, they are. And so when, yes, and when, and when the, we talk about care, we are also talking about care for others. And to honor people who care for others, I think, is really important. And not only honor them, but to, but to, um, to find a way to really value um, their contributions. The professional carers, the the women who are who are going out of the workplace because they need to care for their children or their their elderly parents. Uh, people who people who have that kind of mandate to care that needs to be valued. Yeah, that's no, important. Uh, a question specifically for Dr. Stanton: Would you say that social isolation has hit one generation harder than another, say Gen Z or Boomers or Millennials? Um, social isolation is bad for everybody. Um, so I don't want to say, you know, anybody's home free um, when you are when you're socially isolated. But yes, we do know that um, that young adults, um, young adults, teenagers, young adults do seem to be being hit particularly hard. Um, you know, that time when they may be, you know, transitioning into adulthood or, or making the, the kind of, their kinds of roles in life. There is, there is pretty good evidence that, that people in that like 18 to, to 30 range mm. are being hit hard by social isolation in part because those connections at that time when you're you know, really solidifying your identity is, is really important. And so social isolation can be very difficult during that time. Question for Bambi and Fabian. What role do you see local community colleges playing in support of your specific communities? Um, well, I guess I can start, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, I mean, I think there's um, a big role that community colleges can play um, into the development um, of our communities, right? Like, I'm a part of a, a community college, right? Um, as a non-traditional student, right? Um, I, um, you know, I got my master's degree well, it took me two years to complete my thesis, but I was also building an organization at the same time. So, but anyways, um, I, I think, you know, there's money in the educational system from the government, right? And so I think we need to be able to create programs um, that speak specifically for, um, you know, undocumented folk. Uh, we need to build the pipeline specifically to bring transgender non-conforming people into the educational system, right? Uh, because that's one of the things that have impacted us um, the most. Um, and really, um, you know, ch change policies and 
um, that are in place that are, you know, I mean, in simple things that people think are complicated, like, why don't you just make your bathrooms gender neutral, right? Like, I mean, you're gonna tell me that you have your bathrooms in your house separated by gender? <laughs> no, right? Like, that is a social construct, right? And so, I mean, things like that are as simple as doing that so that there's no, you know, um, continued violence, right? Um, but there's so many things that could be done. Um, obviously, you know, investing in the arts, right? Like, uh, I mean, there's not, there's not enough investment in the arts, and I think that's something that uh, could be done at the community level, I mean, at all levels, but. Um, Especially community colleges. I'm, I'm also a graduate of a community college. I teach at a community college, Orange Coast College, and I see so many students come here, you know, come to our classes to, again, I, I know we've said this many times, but to begin again, to at least explore the possibilities, and it's a far more affordable method of doing so than the Cal States and UCs, which, which are great institutions, of course, or the private universities. Uh, Fabian. Um, you know, I like that investment in the arts. You know, we haven't talked about the power in, uh, that's in the healing of the arts, you know, as an artist, and also arts were very instrumental uh, during the pandemic all disciplines and how they were able to help uh, hold people during these times. But I would say that the invitation to the college is to, uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb, you know what I mean? But I think uh, I could be an instructor at a community college, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it would be nice for uh, them to start to uh, discuss what does it look like to bring formerly incarcerated lived experience with, uh, uh, with, with uh, into becoming an instructor in the community college that's gonna really bring some cultural relevancy or some, uh, not cultural relevancy, but some edu, some, I don't even know how no, to call it an education. You know what I'm trying learn to Learn experience, at? learn, yeah, I mean, your expertise. You, yeah, the I, life that folks like yourself and the people you work with, it is an expertise that other people just don't have. And especially when it comes to the arts or whatever it is, it's just gonna take, it's going to teach the students that much more than someone who didn't have it. Well, it happens most of the time. We get a lot of college students that come into our organization, or at least to come and interview and write theses on, on my life story, or, or what are the findings? What, are, what is it, what is it <laughs> that you came about? And they take it back to the college and say, look what I found. And it's like, and I have to take the back seat, but let's flip that script. So help me flip that script. You don't have to come look to write a thesis. Let me come in. And, and, and I think that's where we should explore. I think it'd be great. I'm not saying that it's not happening, but I think we can actually make it more intentional in that way. And it would really create a pathway for some of the homeboys and homegirls who are seeking higher education. You know? No, totally, 1,000%. And then the final question, Alicia Guadalupe Garcia, right there, it says, what is one piece of advice all of you can give to your audience here today that has helped you stay motivated within your leadership role you have created for your community, our community? So we'll go with Dr. Stanton over there at the end. Um, I don't think that there's a one size fits all. Um, and so I think, I think that that's, a, that's an individual answer. I can say for myself and from, from, from some of the evidence that finding, finding something meaningful to sort of savor and notice um, every day, if possible, um, that's very motivating. So when I see um, a, a, a first generation student who, uh, who is so excited because they get to 
you know, they get they get to be at UCLA and they've transferred and they and they're you know it's just like a dream for them. When I see that, that's completely motivating. So finding something every day or at least frequently to 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 notice and to savor. Um, what's meaningful. That's great. Like, even if you're a leader, you could still learn from others and you could still be motivated to learn how to lead even more. That's incredible. Bambi? Um, what is one piece of advice that I can give to this beautiful, amazing audience that has helped me stay motivated within my leadership role that I have created for our community? Um, well, one advice or one ask, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make of all of you um, is, well, a couple of things. One, I want to invite you to come and visit our organization. Um, see who we are, see what we do, see um, the people that we work with and for. Um, and I hope that you take that charge. Um, the other thing that I want to um, ask you is to um, to think about how you can help us as an organization as the only trans-led organization here in Los Angeles that is doing this work for our community. Um, I can assure you if each of you commits into uh, raising $1,000 that you can ask your friends, that you can ask whoever. I think we have 50 people here. We can raise $50,000 together. And I do want to say that the work that I've done and the work that we've done as an organization, uh, I have not done it by myself, right? Um, many people has contributed for my leadership development. Many people has partnered with us for us to do the amazing work that we've done, but there's a lot of work that we need to do. Um, and so I want to invite you to participate and be part of the change that needs to happen for our community. And I know that we can do it. I know that we can do it. We just need to be intentional about it, right? Um, and you don't have to do it this month. I know that people are thinking like, oh, I have to buy gifts and all of this and the holidays, whatever, whatever. It's all good. But if you can commit, you don't have to like even raise your voice or raise your hand and say yes, but commit to yourself that you are going to support our people, our community, our organization. Then that's a personal commitment that you're doing to yourself. And you're not only going to help me develop continue to develop my leadership, but you're going to, con to, to contribute to develop the leadership of Lisa Ceballos, who is one of our case managers who's here, or Janetza, who is here, who recently, and I'm sorry that I'm disclosing this, uh, but she's um, recently got out of immigration detention, right? So she needs a lot of support. Um, and so, you know, we need to, if we want to be part of the change, the only way that we can be part of it is through a contribution. Uh, it could be monetary or it could be voluntary, right? And so please um, be part of the change, the change that you want to see in the world. And don't just hear it and, and that's it, right? Like live it, be part of it. Be the change. Yes. That, like that old wonderful cliche. Fabian, what keeps you motivated? 
I mean, I, I would have to stay along the lines of, of Ambi. I think, you know, for a very long time, I have had a vision and mission uh, to, to carry out within the community of Boyle Heights. And this is how the Homeboy Art Academy was giving birth. And as the, as the co-founder and executive director, you know, I would also invite you to come check us out. Um, we have a lot of youth, young adult, who are uh, straddling the fence, you know, gang involved, and we impact them via the arts, via all disciplines. So it would be great for you to come and experience what is, what is the healing through the power of arts. At the same time, spend some time with these youth, you know, get to know them, listen to their stories, you know, and maybe there you might find a purpose or some sense of a mission that you can create for yourself that would also motivate you to keep going and, and being part of that solution, helping us to make the world a safer place. Awesome, incredible words. Thank you, Socalo Public Square, for hosting us. Yes, a round of applause for all of our guests. <laughs> Fabian Devora, Homeboy Arts Academy, Bambi Salcedo, Translatinao Coalition, and Dr. Stanton from UCLA Psychology. We're going to have a reception right now. Let's continue to have the conversation. Follow Socalo Public Square on social media, all that good stuff. I'm Gustavo Ariano. Thank you so much. Can, can, can we give a shout out to the people who are watching? I'm shout sorry. out to yeah, those at home. Shout out to the people at home. So, yeah, sorry. We, yeah, we should acknowledge yeah. you as well. Share our video right now, please. Thank you for thank your you. time. All right. Thank you all. Thank you. Okay. We yeah.